Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Friend and fan alike. Uh, welcome. Welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. We are happy to have you here. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And we are uh, we are back for another week talking Terminator. Talking Terminator. That's probably its own podcast out there. There's probably somebody who has their own podcast just calling Talking Terminator. Yes. And, and like the uh, the film franchise, they wrongly assumed that terminator would be enough to fuel their enterprise for <laughs> umpteen times in the future and it just i mean it's like I, I could just picture like somebody just going all right um this week we're gonna once again try and talk about dark fate um just look it's not the us. worst thing and it didn't result <laughs> in the worst franchise by a long shot but that's that's what we'll examine today with all you guys is, is this is this worth it to keep doing this again and again and again? And the answer is, I think is probably not. Oh uh, yeah, probably. No. I mean, how many reviews did I read this week of, um, uh, what's it called? Jurassic world, Jurassic uh, world dominion, dominion. Thanks. That's it. I knew it was something meaningless mm-hmm. and completely generic. Um, you know that how many e- extinction metaphors that I have to read about that franchise? It was in yep. literally every review, and it just shows you that this isn't this is six movies worth of stuff here at all. Like there's barely one movie worth of stuff, and you really <laughs> have to be sort of a genius to pull off a second one. Which they had plenty of geniuses working on the second one in the Jurassic Park trilogy yeah such as it was at the time and it still sucked and they you know i can hear it it's coming yeah (laughs) are you underscoring my i was underscoring our talk of yeah the the build-up of the terminator the point is it, it it's hard it's not easy to continue these things you, you, this story got stuck in a rut. Ever a bunch of different artists and filmmakers with a, a lot of talent behind them and a lot of history of hits and other things, mm-hmm. you know, threw themselves into this idea because they wanted to be part of it. But it, it's not easy to just tell this kind of story over and over and over again. Oh, well, we'll just get into the the details. We 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 gonna play the deep dive theme and dive in. Joel's yeah, I Joel's think doing so. the show. 
Joel's doing our episode. He's, we're recording this in between two different theater performances that he has. <laughs> so yeah, we're, we're um, on a ticking clock or a ticking time bomb, if you will. And we will, we, we are, don't have the tools or equipment to go back in time and fix anything. So we are the third Sarah Connor in the phone book right now. It is just an absolute tick, ticking time bomb. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, jump in. Uh, we'll call this a deep dive of the rest of the terminators <laughs> I have to do a deep dive deep dive deep dive I have to do a deep dive deep dive deep dive I have to do a deep dive deep dive deep dive Okay, so, um, so not unlike not unlike aliens, we kind of uh, mentioned this last week. Uh, the how um, you know Alien Ridley Scott, and then James Cameron has he's like I got a great idea for a sequel. Um, we just say instead of more instead of one alien, we get more aliens. We slap an S on there. This one is sort of like that. It's like well, we had one Terminator uh last time but this time we can have two terminators here's the twist one of them's a good guy it's really fun the the uh <laughs> the script for this movie has a big huge opening future war sequence in it where humanity is winning the war and they're they're fighting their way through the to the get to the time displacement unit to fulfill these prophecies that our mm -hmm. hero John Connor knows about. And they get in there and he, you know, he has to look for volunteers to go back in time. And, and Michael Bean is uh, Kyle Reese's character is written into the scene and they send him back. And then, uh, and then they're like, okay, oh, his lieutenant or whatever is like, all right, set charges, and we're going to do this, blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is just me remembering from having read it back in 1992. But, uh, and he's like, he's like, no, wait, we have to send one more. And then it's, choom, Terminator 2, you know, so. <laughs> um it's kill. I mean, it's kill. To read that's kind of a, that's a fun that's a fun opening. To read a James Cameron script is is an exciting thing. You know, I I remember them talking about this at the time. Like the the semi truck at the end of the movie doesn't just drive fast. It it like cuts through the air and stuff. Like I mean, he really is this descriptive writer. Even though he writes with camera moves and everything like already in the script because he's going to direct it himself. He also just goes for it in terms of describing things, you know, poetically instead of just blow by blow like you would expect a film script to be. And that's it's a joy. It's just a joy to read. And that opening sequence, you know, I was cut for good reason. You, you, you don't need it. It's a neat thing that we all want to see, especially, I think, as this series has gone on, you really now you really want to see that because they they show that they do that exact scene in Genesis, I believe. Mm -hmm. And it's such a letdown from what Cameron would have done with, with, you know, with Michael still looking several years on 1990 when they were shooting Terminator two, but he, he still looked the part, like he still bleaches hair a little bit and he, 
he would fit right in. And it would have been neat to see that moment and start the movie that way, but they couldn't. Um, cause it was a huge expensive future war sequence with effects right. and sets and everything else. And, but it's neat. It teases what's about to happen in a really, really great way. I did not know. You could have known it was out there, but it wasn't in any of the advertising material. When I went to see Terminator 2, I did not know that Schwarzenegger was going to be the good guy in it. I had no idea no. what the plot was going to be. No. Uh, yeah. They, I mean, that. I think that my remembrance of it is that we, we like it kind of got out. Uh, oh, sure. pretty it, quickly yeah it, it but i mean but yeah and all the advertising and all the early advertising it was um y- you know yeah you certainly didn't see him in any sort of heroic role it was just arnold again essentially saying you know he's he's back or big, whatever big, you know it's nothing personal was the tagline <laughs> to the poster terminator 2 judgment day with him sitting on the motorcycle with the with that shotgun that he has through the yeah. early parts of the film. And it, the tagline was, it's nothing personal. I made it look it's like nothing personal. he's coming for you again, you know? And, and that, so that's what I thought it was when I went to see it, which was a real treat to be because the film film works either way. doesn't need you to not know, but it, 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 the way that the setup works, you know, the way they hold back the violence that the bad guy, the Robert Patrick's, T-1000 liquid prototype Mm -hmm. is doing until they don't. It's extremely exciting. And the, and it's, it has, well, I don't want to talk too much about it because we have so many movies to get through, but Terminator 2 works on almost every level there. There, we'll just talk about all of them and then we'll talk about the few things that, that to me don't work. But, um, the Sarah Connor Connor character has weird, even though everyone's still alive, (laughs) she has super weird, like survival guilt and psychosis that is set in. And we see her committed to an insane asylum where she's mistreated and is consumed by these nightmares of the end of the world and nuclear Mm -hmm. ash. We get to experience one of those nightmares in an incredible sequence put together by, uh, by the Skotech brothers. They've been called lots of things through the years, but they, they were buddies of James and those nuclear war sequences are fantastic. The liquid Terminator is done pretty much by industrial light magic. You really needed the best of the best working on that. And all the ships in the future war is all fantasy too. And so you got every effects house in Hollywood Mm -hmm. working on this film and not to mention all this, you know, Again, all this nighttime location shooting in L.A. It it really does recreate what's awesome about the first movie in a lot of ways. The chases are unbelievable. Yeah. Um, The and yet they're believable. Like by some of today's standards, they really do. You really, you know, Schwarzenegger literally surfs down a tipped over tanker truck down the highway. And I think surf is the correct term for what he's doing. And it's, yeah. you kind of, and then, you know, and you, you kind of buy it. Like you just kind of believe it. It's shot in a way that, that feels like, okay, yeah, I could see that maybe. I love that stuff. But Sarah, yeah. it, it's interesting. It gives Linda Hamilton so much cool stuff to bite off and chew. And yet there's only one moment and it was cut from the movie. <laughs> 
where we get any semblance of the hero that we met in the previous film. And that's, I, I, maybe that's how we're supposed to feel, but I mourn for the loss of that character who had a lot of wisdom to her. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And this character doesn't, she's, she's single minded and dangerous and impossible even for her son to love much because she's just effing crazy. Mm -hmm. That's neat. But, but nobody fills in that every person role that you want in a movie like this. Certainly the, the Edward Furlong as young John Connor doesn't, he does an admiral job with what's on the page. I think he's, you know, Ed's a pretty good actor, but, but it's so it's he's so full of catchphrases and cheesy crap and and then by extension our our terminator our schwarzenegger's character adopts that sort of outlook on the world and it gets it was really fun when you sat through it for the first time i think over the years that stuff is it's tougher for me to sit through it's a little bit like a violent version of small wonder I mean, that's what's fun about it. It, it really yeah. is a fun idea. This this Terminator learning how to, you know, being at the command of somebody who thankfully has a lot of uh, smarts and a decent uh, moral compass because who knows what he'd be capable of otherwise. And yeah. it's that's neat. And it's neat to see that character grow. You know, the, our, the Terminator's final lines to us are meaningful because of that. They teach a machine... Not to love, but they teach a machine to appreciate its own life. That's yeah. a that's an AI story that and and be aware of its own sacrifice. That's really you know pretty cool. And the and the thing is written in a way that you get there honestly. So mm-hmm. so this and the liquid terminator effects and these are effects you can do on your phone today that you could really yeah. do on your phone just a few years later. You know what I mean? Like it's these weren't. These became these morphing effects became very unspecial. From Willow to Terminator Two, they they came a million years, and then by the time you know Black or White came out by Michael Jackson, it was like, eh, yeah, no, no more morphing, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but they no. they still they still work even though even though they're completely antiquated by modern effects standards because the storytelling for each big morphing moment is powerful and has Mm -hmm. a meaning and a dark meaning, sometimes even dark humor behind it, but they all still work because of that. And I, that's something that I really think that's, yeah, that's truly the feather in Terminator 2's cap is that, is that metal morphing, which is, is, yeah. Which is, you know, 1994 screensaver worthy in the film still looks great and works great because the storytelling backing it up, it is, it is, is great. And that's, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter that, that, it, that it's kind of a, so what bit of technology now. Yeah. Um, I was just, I'm trying to, I was just looking here. I don't, you know, and it looks like, you know, we really didn't see, um, uh, Robert Patrick much, you know, he had done some things, but this was, he was basically an unknown. Um, yeah. He's been in a whole bunch of things. I mean, he was most memorable for, uh, uh, just being one of the random terrorist thugs and die hard Two. die hard Two, Right. 
That was that literally his highest, most high profile thing. And he's just, he's in the, he's in the, the, the skywalk construction shootout sequence. He's the guy who yeah. says a sitting duck when he comes up on our, our hero <laughs> in that movie. Stay tuned for the Die Hard franchise episodes someday we'll see see. uh but yeah but then he went on but i also love i mean he went on to do i mean clearly a guy who was like aha i gotta cash in on this as much as i can because then he's appearing as the t-1000 in wayne's world in the last action hero right Um, and it's like good on you dude yeah cash those checks you he he really wanted the role of the bad guy in this and he made yeah. it known and he just he what he said to Cameron he goes man I really really want this and he goes well, Cameron said to him well then go get it you know yeah don't hold yeah. back man and and he's he's fantastic it's just yeah. fantastic in this role and Robert we talked about him you know in in uh we talked about him just a few weeks ago in what was it the the Johnny Cash film I can't remember what that's called uh, uh walk the line yeah you know amongst just does whole ton of other things like Robert Patrick's a guy when he shows up in your movie these days as an older man and even in the wake of this you know he he was in the X-Files for a while and he's in a whole bunch yeah. of things but he's a really really good actor who's really found a lot of utility outside yeah. his <laughs> understandably plentiful uh terminator 1000 cameos that he's done yeah. which of which there were many he uh he he's in the peacemaker television show on hbo max is that good the uh, um yeah you know yeah i mean if you it, it's it's really fun it's very much like that james it's in the same vein i mean james gunn uh, wrote all the episodes. Oh, right, and, right, right. And, yeah. Um, so it's very much in the I same didn't even vein know what you were as talking the about. Peacemaker oh, from Suicide yeah, Squad. Yeah, Peacemaker from Suicide Squad, yeah. And he plays uh, the Peacemaker's dad. Nice. And who, who's a pretty abhorrent person. It makes and sense. It's, and it's really fun. He's a really fun Robert, just... Robert Patrick goes there, which is yeah. his greatest use as an actor, but he is capable of, of giving a subtle, grounded performance as well, which is yeah. always surprising when it appears. So he, he can do it all. I really dig him. And he yep. was just a kid in this, and he was just desperately wanting to get this part, and he does make the most of every second of screen time he has as the bad guy mm-hmm. in this film. Um, yeah, Linda Hamilton uh, gets. Uh, I mean, it, it's for as much as it's known for the uh, the the morphing, the liquid metal effects. Uh, probably second in that is just how jacked Linda Hamilton gets mm-hmm. uh, to play Sarah Connor now, who who has taken it upon herself to uh, to say, okay, well, I gotta, I clearly have to train the savior of the world, even though we stop the Terminator. Um, I guess I gotta, you know, until we get to that, that, that day, um, of the nuclear war, uh, you know, she, she doesn't know if that, if it's truly, if her, if the future is truly, uh, changed or if it's still set, if the, if all the, and as we know, it's still set. Well, they go um, off on a mission, the best part of the movie, the middle part of mm-hmm. the movie, they go out on a mission to stop Cyberdyne from from developing the the uh, Skynet mainframe, Skynet, yep. what's going to become the Skynet mainframe, which is based on a little piece of the 
uh, CPU of the Terminator that was left behind in the press at the end of the last movie. You can go back and listen to the details for that. Uh, Joe Morton plays the scientist that's working on that. And, uh, and we see that great reveal of it. You know, the, he's do, building like we would build in our era. The chip is this big, massive thing that he has to make out of this tiny little guy because he's mm-hmm. dealing with technology that's much, much older. But it's this cool sort of big scale version of it. And when they mm-hmm. when they are in the little museum part of their office building, they open the little security door and you see the arm that was reaching out to choke her to death still there. Yep. And that's that's very much the idea at the end of the movie, but it's an idea they sort of dropped. Likewise, in the cut scene where Kyle breaks down at the beauty of pre-apocalypse Earth, she has the idea, hey, maybe we could go find whoever it is that makes this and we could stop it. And that was all cut out of the first movie and it became the premise for this one. Right. Um, how can we prevent Judgment Day? And they decide to go after the technology, and they decide ultimately to go after the scientist. And it's a terrible home invasion scene with him and his wife and his son, and and Sarah's just absolutely set on assassinating this guy until uh, until John interferes and stops her from doing it. And so what's their next step that is to convince him to stop his work and to destroy his work. So mm-hmm. they convince him and I won't even spoil it in very dramatic fashion. <laughs> That's and really- Joe's great. Yeah. Joe, Joe, the, uh, uh, Joe, yeah. Joe recognizing, you know, what all the, the culmination of his work, what it's about to become yeah. um, is really great. And, and his actions and how he plays it from that point forward. Uh, really, really super fun. I uh, want to jump back uh, toward the very beginning of the film once again, real quick, just because I got to give some love to Earl Bowen uh, oh, yeah. as uh, Dr. Earl Silverman's is back. Supervi- yeah. Dr. Silverman's back! Earl is the supervising uh, <laughs> physician. It's the best. Uh, what's the line that he had? And he's, he, he's much sharper in this movie than he was in the mm-hmm. last, which is delightful because he's still the same sardonic guy but he's absolutely in control of her and you can get you get this sense that he he based on his experiences recognizes her as a real danger to the world and and is has no intention of ever setting her free no matter what she says and it's really really awesome he's making the rounds with his interns and they're doing the whole monkey in a cage kind of observation of her and uh it's that line that he says she stabbed me with my pen (laughs) when he's talking to the fbi guys or whatever (laughs) bowen is fantastic and has several very very memorable moments in this and and he even helps out the turd of a part three that's coming up he's he, it's not the same, but at least we're still happy to see him. But we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Earl Bowen, like I said, there's a cut sequence. It's the beginning of her dream sequence. She has this several dream sequences, a couple of which are cut short. But once we finally see the end of the world through her eyes and the start of that sequence is, um, again, Kyle Reese, Michael Bean comes to her and says, what are you doing in here? You've got to get out of here. He, 
John, he's out there alone. You have to protect him. And it's this is obviously her anxiety speaking to her through this person that she loved. But mm -hmm. it is, it. this scene was shot and is in the extended version of the Terminator 2. And it's, it's so good. It's so, why did you cut this out of the movie? Can't have just been for time. Why did you do that? You you get to see uh, Sarah in a diff completely different light. The only time you get to see her this way in the movie, I don't. I think she didn't like the scene. If I remember interviews at the time, but I, it's hard to believe they would have cut it because she didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And Michael's fantastic in it, even though he because he, he's one of those dream characters. Like you can hug him, but then he's walking down the hall, and there's too many corners, and you can't chase enough of them to catch up with them you know it's like a nightmare truly and he just guilts the hell out of her <laughs> and, and it it causes the that and the the dream causes her to come up with a i have to say before the terminators show up and change everything a, a rather brilliant escape plan that she comes up with yeah um that escape sequence is great uh the the i I get kind of tired of the, I get bored with the, you know, Terminator when they go to Cyberdyne and he's sh shooting up the cop cars or whatever through the window, that sort of mm -hmm. gets old. But, but after that, man, you know, a uh, 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 truck chasing a car, a helicopter chasing a truck. I mean, the, that chase sequence leading to the steel mill where they actually have their final showdown is outstanding. And, the very first time we meet the Terminators and they come face to face in a a tech noirish sequence that takes place in this little mall, the Galleria, um, is amazing. And shout out to um, Xander Berkeley and uh, what's the woman from uh, Aliens that plays uh, John's step parents or foster parents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... Can't remember her name. Not uh, who plays Vasquez and Aliens. I can never. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It, that's not Jeanette Goldstein. It is. Yeah. That is Jeanette Goldstein. Yeah, there. Yeah, there she is. Yeah. There's a couple of good it. actors in small parts that you know are meaningful, and the film is sort of filled with that. I, I sort of dig that. Mm -hmm. Um, and the the way they make use of like the 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 way they kill the Terminator 1000 like four times and just can't kill it is extremely powerful. You really do believe that, that, and it's ultimate demise too, from an effects and from a satisfaction standpoint is like, it really does make you want to stand up and cheer. So it's mm -hmm. was rightfully the number one film in 1991. It, it just had everything that you would want from a sequel in it. It recreated all the best moments from the first film it subverted a lot of the expectations based on what those moments would become. So plenty of repeated stuff, but when he does something different, it really jumps out at you and surprises you because, you know, like, like uh, there's just a ton of them in aliens, a Bishop ended up being a good guy, spoiler for aliens, but you know, it's like you, it, it plays with your expectations in really, really great ways. And it's just, it, there's just no better sci-fi action film maybe ever than Terminator 2. I just right. judging it on its action, it just takes your breath away and stuns you. Um but there's no love story there. 
the connection between mother and son is superficial at best. And it really is written that way. It's not Mm -hmm. a lot of people in retrospect blame Edward Furlong for that. But I, I, you know what, look at the, what those lines are that he's saying. It's, you know, he's just, Mm -hmm. I think he's about as good as he can be in that film. Yeah. And Schwarzenegger's delightful at taking him, taking one of his most iconic characters and this iconic villain from film and turning that into a hero. That's where the thing absolutely positively has to work. And it, that part works perfectly. It really, really works good. I, there's three versions of this. There's like a hidden super long version, happy ending version where you jump into the future and Sarah's an old woman at the playground. You see blown up in the dream and that version's kind of weird but there is a slightly longer version with a little bit more uh all it has really is the the prolonged dream sequence with kyle which you have to have i i have to have that version for that reason and it has a bunch of extra the t-1000 is on the case scenes and a bunch of the t-1000 is having problems here at the end of the film like he (laughs) he really is breaking down he's absorbing things he doesn't want to he's Mm -hmm. he's having all these issues uh they sort of cut all that i think understandably so you're in the you're in the final showdown of the film you don't want to yeah you got even if you you have neat ideas you want to be barreling forward but yeah that's my preferred version of the movie. And Terminator 2 gets high marks, 8 out of 10 or so. For me, it's it's really, really good sequel. It's practically a remake, like as I've said before, with the roles shuffled around. And yeah. that that just works like a charm. And you'd expect that, yeah, I guess, it, it, from Cameron instead working of, with his yeah. own characters and ideas. In, instead of the love story, it, it he tries to he's trying to tweak it with a little bit of like a a father son sort of thing, but you know, and even tweaking that with having John Connor being the dad to Sarah the, has the, the thought Terminator in, in, yeah. in voiceover. Like this, this guy might be the perfect father for him. He's never going to get drunk and hit him. He's never going <laughs> to let him down yeah. or m- miss something. I mean, he's always going to be there like in a strange way. I, you know, cause cause the, one of the best moments in the movie is when she sees him coming around the corner for the first time. Yeah. And it, she just, she just absolutely, I mean, it's really, really good acting by Linda throughout. Um, like I say, I, the concept bums me out. I wish there was more nuance to her, but, but her, the character's single mindedness and her embodying that, like Joel said, physically and mentally is, a yep. real accomplishment for a very, very good actor. And that, you know, <laughs> first guy around the corner is, is Schwarzenegger. And then John's got to convince her that we got to go with him. And he says, well, he, and uh, he, then he drops, he drops the come with me if you want to live. And, then, <laughs> and Dr. Silverman's and, pen falls out of his mouth and we're off to the races. Yep. yep. It's a, it's a um, cool movie. It's with tons and tons of clever technological yeah, time travel I, ideas in it. I can think of no, no, to me, it is so iconically 1991, the, the motorcycle riding in the, uh, the, what do we, you know, I get, what are those called? The, you know, it's, they're not the gutter or whatever, but the, 
It's the, the Los uh, Angeles River, literally. River, yeah. <laughs> you know, riding that. Uh, it's a, riding it's, a canal, it's like a man-made canal because as yeah. the closer you get to the ocean, it's all city. So, yeah. so they've, you know, and it's California, so it's empty, it's dry yeah. almost all the time. It, we, that's yeah. why we've seen these chase sequences in it, or we've seen the space shuttle land in it, or whatever, mm-hmm. because. Because what you almost never see in it is water, but water. that is actually the Los Angeles River, which is kind of yeah. funny. Yeah, and so the motorcycle going down with that, with the shotgun that he's flipping around and being, reloading, being chased while, by a big uh, dump truck. Yeah, while Guns N' Roses is playing, uh, I'm like, there is nothing more 1991 than that. Uh, it is, um, yeah, that's Guns N' Roses song from the movie was a big hit. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, all right, let, uh, I wanted to spend most of our time talking on that movie because uh, it is. Uh, um, we did a pretty good uh, job, a half hour of a, of a however of a truncated show. We should we yeah. do pretty good. Yeah, but um, I, so I don't know anything about T two three D Battle Across Time. Well, it's it's a. <laughs> Sorry, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. <laughs> The shoes on the other foot. Joel is very is enjoying very much cutting me off with these sound effects, like I used to do to him all the time. Um, I deserve it. I deserve it. I've had it coming for a while. Um, so it's uh, it's a long standing um, Universal theme park uh, attraction. Oh, it's it's uh, it's directed by James Cameron and it stars Schwarzenegger and Edward Furlong primarily, but also has vocal cameos by Hamilton and Michael Bean and Earl Bowen and others. Um, it's a half live action like play. I don't know what else to call it. That's not act really what it is, but it's half you know like a stage reenactment mixed with a 3D film, and then it becomes both at the end where they, they, they're in this future war where they fight with this giant liquid, like squid. That's as big as the room. It's as big as the movie screen. And they're running around on the stage fighting with it and trying to blow up Skynet of the future. And they're being chased by liquid Terminator. It's really just all Terminator two stuff. The downfall of it is, is that it's, you know, it's, 20 minute 16 minute or so uh live experience and it 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 just doesn't have anything in it dramatically that's good it it is a long run of all the catchphrases from terminator 2 plus some others and but it's of course it's it's not meant to be a, a proper cinematic experience either. So judging it that way isn't really, really fair. It was a beloved yeah. attraction until uh, I think it closed. It started in 96, I want to say, and closed in 2012. So it ran a long, long time at Universal Studios. And uh, and it, you can go online if you want to get a sense of what the thing is. You can go online now and watch it. Once it closed, uh, Universal let... Universal and whoever else, Lightstorm Entertainment, allowed the videos to go up online so that people could get some sense of what it was. And they give it a yeah. big, they get a big standing ovation. The problem is you're not watching a random show. You're, I think the ones that got posted were the last ever show. So everything that happens in it gets applause like a Married with Children episode, which is <laughs> distracting and annoying. <laughs> because... 
normally when the Terminator like kills somebody or something, you don't get applause and stuff. But I, but it was the biggest fans of <laughs> of uh, the thing that showed up for mm-hmm. the final ever performance. So it's I'm, it I'm looking at a, worth watching. I'm and looking it at a was, photo. It's the last moment where these people yeah. are all together making a Terminator project who created the Terminator in the first place that, that they, they, each of them come and go through future installments. But this was, uh, what's it called? Something through time, battle through time, uh, battle across time, battle across time. It, that was created with the idea that, Hey, let's touch base with these characters a little bit. And, and it's takes place in future war time, which people like, but it's, you know, you hear Cameron in Avatar times talk about how he's so sad that the 3D effects are, are all gimmicky and stuff. And they, But there ain't no more gimmicky 3D effects in the world than the barrage of them that you get in Terminator Battle Across Time, mm-hmm. which are all stuff flying at you. But again, it's, it's not a movie. It's not telling a story. It's it's a big 3d amusement park experience. And in that way, it certainly could have been a lot worse. So. Yeah. That's it's, it's wild. <laughs> I'm looking at a photo of, of this mother and daughter and they're laughing while a T 1000 is about to impale them with a giant spike. And there's like, Oh, <laughs> it, it makes yeah. me, it's, it's, I'm like, it's, that's awesome. It's super tonally challenged, <laughs> but <laughs> But it can't be completely dismissed as a piece of art either. So that's why it's on the list. Um, all right. So let's move on to Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Talk about let's just do the same shit again. I mean, I can't yeah. think of a... This film has a lot of great stuff in it, actually, that I like. But it's so um, just completely creatively bankrupt of new ideas so that's really where it falls down in my opinion because it's pretty well executed jonathan mostow who directed u571 and can't remember that what's the name of the movie where kurt russell's wife disappears in the desert uh that one breakdown yeah so that's so jonathan he'd made some movies but terminator 3 is definitely the biggest budgeted thing he'd ever made um, I can't remember who financed Terminator 3, but it's changed hands, you know. Uh, you guys, I don't know if you care about that, but when else am I going to talk about this? So will give you a little breakdown of the where the Terminator rights have moved around a little bit. They started, as we said, with Hemdale, distributed by Orion, and all of those. By the time Terminator 2 was coming out... Um, the rights had been sold off to Carol Co. Pictures, who had made, who were Arnold Schwarzenegger's buddies. They had made um, Red Heat and uh, Total Recall. And those guys bought the rights for a ton of money, and then they forked over this ton of money for Terminator 2, and then Terminator 2 made them a ton of money, so good job. But unfortunately, Carol Co. was a failing studio at the time of Terminator 2, and even though it limped along for a while afterwards because of that windfall, uh, eventually Cutthroat Island came around and just slit their throats, and that was the end of that studio. They also, the two guys in charge of Carol Co. sued each other, which is never a good idea. So then you had one of the guys kept Carol Co., the other guy started a company called Synergy. None of these things exist anymore. They all, 
they all were mini mogul movie studios, which is just a thing that isn't in the even in the world anymore, truly. Although, is it? Maybe it is. We'll talk about that. So, Carol Co. slash TriStar or whatever is basically who did TriStar Distributing. So that's Sony. Mm-hmm. That's not nobody, but they're just distributing. They didn't make the film. This film, I don't even remember who did this one. <laughs> I don't even effing remember who did this movie. It was distributed by Warner Brothers, but so that but I don't who financed Terminator Three, I honestly can't tell yeah, you. Yeah, I'm oh that's what I'm trying to find here. Yeah, company uh, credits will tell us something in the IMDB page if that's where you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um but it's getting to the film and not just the behind the scenes movie business crap, it's it's man, it's the exact same. The Terminator villain in this film is a Terminatrix. Uh, the kid who need the guy who needs to be protected again is John Connor, but they don't even get the same actor back to play him. Ed Furlong was a bit of a wild child, and and, and they just didn't want to bother with him or get into any trouble yeah. with him. So mm-hmm. they and, and people starting a new project always think they can kind of do better with their own person. They hired Nick Stahl. Nick is not a bad actor. In fact, he's welcome because he. He grounds this guy in a sort of depression that's sort of believable. Even though he he fights through everything, he's kind of like uh, he's tight. He's exhausted by this, and I think that's a legit way to be in this world. Um, but he doesn't have any of Ed's winky. I can say any lame thing James Cameron writes for me with a twinkle in my eye and make it work somehow. I mean that's what. That's what we had in T2, and this, we don't have that at all. And there was some poor girl who was cast as his future wife. Claire um, Danes. Well, it ended up being Claire Danes. Claire Danes, though, oh. was a last-minute oh, replacement for Sophia Bush, I want to say. It's somebody, it, that may not be right, but it's somebody like that. It's some girl from one of those uh, primetime soap operas at the time, and I can't remember which actor it is, who was just, she she had came and was shooting the movie, and they just were like, sorry, you're you're a little raw for this, and, and it isn't working. So they sent her packing, which I always found, I just find that sad, because I think if you're a kid and you're going to be in a Terminator movie, you know what I mean? It's like, and then just mm-hmm. be told you're not good enough to get... Eric Stoltz out of the thing. It's just, even though you're doing your best, it just bums me out. So I always thought that was sad, but Claire Danes works. She's good, but she's good. Her and Jonathan Mostow do the, the audio commentary on the DVD of Terminator three. And it's, it's worth a listen. It's more interesting than the, than the movie itself because Claire's interesting person to talk about her art and Jonathan, is a very, even though he's not a brilliant filmmaker, he's a reasonably good one. And he is very generous with her and how he talks about things and, and engages her. He's Even though it's his movie, he's almost like an interviewer in the thing, which is kind of fun. I don't really listen to commentaries anymore because who has the time right. for that? But that's a good one that I remember fondly. You you were right. It was Sophia Bush. Is it, was it, you know, Sophia Bush is a really good actor. That's makes me sad. <laughs> So I don't know. Tip of the hat to you, girl. You bounce back, okay? You don't. You don't need us to feel too mm-hmm. bad for you. Um, but 
there you go. That really happened. So Nick, now we got Nick Stahl, Claire Danes, the female liquid slash not liquid Terminator. It's really hard to understand what the rules are of this particular villain Terminator. Um, because it's not, because she has like guns and stuff and she's like an old Terminator, but she's also like a new Terminator. It, and it's really difficult to understand that more people are being sent back into time. Like this is, this is where that idea breaks. No, like you can, you know, I told you about the setup that was never filmed in Terminator mm -hmm. 2. You can buy it, you know, you, you can't buy it anymore. You just can't, you had to do something different. You just couldn't do that again. And they did. And that's the biggest downfall of this. Because Lord knows, man, the first big car chase, is it on like, no, it's not on a fire truck. It's on a, on a, like a big uh, construction crane rig or whatever. It's just, it's a stunning car chase sequence that just kind of blows your mind. It's so good. And so you want the movie to be good, but. Terminator, this lady Terminator played by Christina Luckin, she comes back and just starts assassinating all the future. They're all teenagers at this point. She just starts killing all of them, all the people who fight back and win the war against Skynet. Because that's happening, actually. It's just only happening later. So you see what I mean? It's like every... That idea that Judgment Day is inevitable because humans are terrible is... Is, is one that they carried through to better movies in more thought-out ways. In this film, it's just, oh, yeah, it happened anyway. Oh, yeah, here's another Terminator uh, T-800 being sent back to fight an even more advanced extra prototype Terminator. Like, it's just the whole idea of it is you you gave this no thought. You just wanted more Terminator. You, you really sunk the thing in this film. That said, that chase sequence is great. There's another chase sequence at the graveyard. Earl Bowen, Joel, shows up again. As now he's now he's the psych patient, which is fun, yeah, yeah, which is a fun turnaround. Yeah. I mean, that's genuinely a fun idea. So it, this film has some ideas that are cool. And when they go, when they show up, it turns out. Is it? I don't remember. Is it Claire Danes is related to one of the generals that that works for the government that's paying the company to start the AI defense or whatever? And they mm -hmm. show up at this military facility. There's a great cameo with Arnold Schwarzenegger in a, like a cowboy hat with a Texan accent showing up to be to like do voiceover work or whatever for the thing, which is clearly where the Terminator got its image from. That's kind of neat. Um, you know, Schwarzenegger cameoing in a film he stars in. Nevertheless, it's fun. Um, right. And the escape from that facility is fun. It's So there's lots of really, really good action in it. Uh, I won't ruin the best part of it, which is the ending. It has this crazy 70s sci-fi, uh, like Planet of the Apes downbeat ending that is absolutely fantastic. And I love it. And it's, it's, I love it. It's really, really mm -hmm. great. And it, what's greatest about it is if this was going to be a continuing franchise, it leaves the, uh, it leaves the thing in a place where you cannot go back and do the same thing again. You just can't. It, you, you, from this point, you have to move on into something different. And the films did that, but 
I don't know, Terminator 3 was a pretty big financial success. So, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't a very good movie and it's not really beloved by anybody except those who praise those action sequences, which are notably good. I don't, you know, people rip on Nick Stahl for being wooden or for being boring, but I I actually think that's a nice, he is, but I think that's a nice change from the jingoistic uh, teenager turned up to 11 thing that we got in the previous film. So I didn't mind that so much. Claire is set adrift in it, but she's a fantastic actor and that makes all the difference. She's a fantastic actor acting circles around Nick Stull and Arnold Schwarzenegger because she should and can and can't help herself but to do it. So that's kind of nice. I'm reading. I I had forgotten about that. I remember I remember back in the days when Entertainment Tonight used to be on at 630. You know, before primetime shows would start at 7 p.m. We're in the Central Standard Time here. So that's why shows would start at 7 Instead of eight, eight, uh, and that to fill from the 6 p.m. news uh, to go from 6.30 to 7 was often entertainment tonight. And I remember uh, the first the first time you, you know, like first images from a new Terminator film. And it was Arnold Schwarzenegger carrying uh, a casket, you know, um, uh, over set. And they were like the first movie since his heart attack. And I forgot that Arnold Schwarzenegger had had a heart attack. And that was one of the big things is like, oh, is is he going to be able to do anything in this movie since he just had a heart attack? Um, yeah, he just had an thing. illegitimate child, too. But that wasn't on entertainment. Uh, yeah, no, that one wasn't. That was that not, was announced uh, much later. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he was keeping busy in between films for sure. <laughs> Indeed, he and was. that coffin uh, is full of automatic weapons, by the way. Yay, America. Yeah. Yay, America. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, who financed this thing, uh, the, the, the names on the posters are IMF and Intermedia. Um, so, uh, and then you get uh, Carol Co. and Warner Brothers on there. But oh, so, um, an, um, inter- uh, so an amalgam of things got together with Carol Co., who still held the rights and made a movie out yep. of it. That yep. makes sense. It feels directionless artistically. That's the downfall of the film because it's reasonably well made. It's got a ton of great mm-hmm. action in it, but it really is a story that it's, there's no point in spending any time on character growth or any of those things because none of that is important in this film. Right. Um, whoever, one of the many screenwriters that worked on it, whoever came up with the ending, I tip my hat to you. That's not bad. Um, but it's it is Terminator Two again, but a third as good. <laughs> um, so right. I don't know what you so do with now, that. Yeah. So now we go to. Um. I. I mean, there. There are these the the new Terminators, the reboots, the reimaginings, the re somethings, or new somethings, or the huh somethings. Um. And uh, we get we start off in 2009, uh, movie probably best known for uh, the tantrum thrown um, off camera uh, uh, by Christian get, Bale by Christian uh, at Bale. the uh, at the um, director of photography of the film who dared to move a light when he was acting in a take. Yep. yep. Um, and so that brings us to 2009. And, and you know, 
for fun, I mean, our world has moved on now. We just kill each other when we offend each other now. It's totally different. But back in the day when we just yelled at each other, I mean, listen to that. Bale's tirade, while completely over-the-top and uncalled for, you can see how it's fueled by these two guys. The DOP's like, what? What did I do? And McGee, yeah. the genius behind Terminator Salvation, is like, um, I didn't see it. Like, if anybody can stop this from happening, it's the director of the movie. It's the guy who was on charge on set. <laughs> and he's just sitting there going, he's sitting there like, oh, literally, yeah. if he could back into a hedge a la Homer Simpson, <laughs> that's what he would have done. He's, he's yep. such an ineffectual pussy in that moment. Yep. And that's why it gets out of hand. You get you have this guy who's, eh, that DOP, like, I want to scream at him. He just sounds so annoying. And, yep. and I just don't know what to say. And like I say, it's we debated about this at the time. You know, we won't talk about it as we move through the film here, but it's not cool to just go off on people and scream at people. But, it, God, it happens in movies all the time. It, less and less because newer generations don't accept that and shouldn't. You know, mm -hmm. uh, toxic work atmospheres and all that. That's all legit. I don't. I don't have anything. I think that's right. You need to move into that. At the yeah. same time, drama. You know, you, tempers do flare. You do throw a lot of your emotion into it. Weird things do happen. Joel and I have been around and even been a part of some weird confrontations and things that come out of the creative process. They're not necessary to it. But they do happen, so yep. I, I don't want to make excuses for Bale, but he gets super into these roles, and the the results of that technique are up on the screen for us to enjoy. He's a really, really good actor, and he's really extraordinary in a lot of things. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, he did. He agreed to do a Mick G film. Hot off of, I don't know what turd he had just made, Charlie's uh, Angels. He was too. hot. Charlie's Angels full throttle. We are Marshall. And the pilot episode for the television series, Chuck, brings you Terminator Salvation. And Mick G set, went down to visit uh, uh, James Cameron, He, as he said, to, quote, kiss the ring. And he just thought, I'll go down there and talk with him, and, and some James Cameron will rub off on me, and then I'll be the next James Cameron. Um, McGee's made some okay movies. I mean, We Are Marshall's not terrible. Uh, I'm having a hard time thinking of another one. He has made one since Terminator Salvation. That's okay, too. Uh, well, Three Days to Kill. Uh, uh, I can't think. Uh, let's see. Um <laughs> The mm. rim of the world is guilty. Uh, this means war. No, that's terrible. Yeah, it, it's We Are Marshall, then Terminator Salvation, then This Means War. A couple TV movies, West Side, Guilty. It's really, really bad. Three Days to Kill. Then we get Mysteries of Laura, Kevin from Work, Shadowhunters, Lethal Weapon TV series, The Babysitter. Uh, All right, so rim of the world, yeah. McGee's no, a, a worthless hack. Let's just say that. Yeah, he's produced a crap ton of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, because he's a Hollywood uh, but, stooge. You know, this is a guy who never met a producer's note that he didn't follow enthusiastically. Mm -hmm. He's not a bad filmmaker. Terminator Salvation is pretty accomplished visually. Again, it's got some really interesting action in it. Um. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's got a couple of neat 
uh, artificial intelligence ideas going on in it, too. Um, and, although this isn't really due to McGee, I should go back. When he met Cameron, Cameron didn't let him kiss his ring, didn't really, wouldn't endorse his product. That's what he wanted. He wanted a Terminator's in good hands, folks, James Cameron. And what he got was, mm. well, if there has to be another Terminator movie, I guess I'd prefer it be a good one than a bad one. That's the most, that's the closest Cameron could get to endorsing this product. <laughs> oh, that's spectacular. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that is from Cameron at this stage with his film really run, his ideas sort of run through um, the gutter in the fat last film. You know, he wasn't super pleased with any of these, so he wasn't going to be happy they were making this. But he was, and Schwarzenegger, this is the one Schwarzenegger's not in. So, so there's no even connection with him. Like he was rooting for Arnold to do well in the other films because they're, they're best buds. But it, in this one that he doesn't even have that to get excited about. And certainly he wasn't excited about McGee. Mm -hmm. uh, Terminator Salvation does have two things going for it though it's got a sort of interesting it doesn't have Schwarzenegger but it has a sort of interesting dual story going on one of which Sam Worthington future Avatar star is is the the main character in and the other which Kristen Vale's John Connor is a part in uh, neat appearance by Bryce Dallas Howard in who could be but doesn't necessarily have to be Claire Danes's character from the previous film one of those clever incredible Hulk it's a sequel but it's not a sequel things I appreciate that I mean I appreciate that that she's there because she could just not be there at all. She's got some utility in the story, but only a little bit. The main reason for her to be there is to have that character of conscience and character of science alongside John Connor or warrior mm -hmm. in the future. And I appreciate that very much. Um, and then on the other side, uh, Sam Worthington's character is flanked by Anton Yelchin may rest in peace. We love Anton Yelchin. I'm that I love Anton. So don't send me letters saying you should be nicer to Anton. I'm about to shit all over him in this movie because he's terrible in it. And it's not so much <laughs> that he's even bad. It's the take on the character yeah. is is complete failure. And and it's not even Anton's fault because the take on the future war. This is a film that takes other than one little preamble takes entirely takes place in the future. War. It's what everyone wanted. I want to see a movie that takes place during the after the fall of humanity and, and during yeah. the war against the machines. And we want McG to see this resistance. Yeah. Here's McGee delivering that, and all he delivers is like a a sort of cheap TV visual version of of like a semi sort of Mad Max future that's still basically run by the military. And it's it sucks. It's lame. It's nothing like what we experienced in the first two films. It's not even close. It's just it's just yeah. there's people everywhere. Um, you know they're hiding, but they're they're hiding in these communities. Like everywhere they go, um, the the Reese character is this weird loner who has this cute little kid sidekick, and the two of them are like cartoon characters together there's nothing about anton i remember an interview with him at the time he was like so what was your take on this character and he goes well 
I just wanted him to be cool enough that uh, he would make Linda Hamilton want to sleep with him, which I thought was a funny answer. But the the movie, <laughs> the movie, the movie doesn't honor that character no. at all. And and no. poor, poor Anton, who's such a sweet kid and and, and oh, exudes yeah. so much heart is not, I'm not sure he's capable of, or was even asked to bother playing the guy like the, like the burnt out future war exposed nerve of a character that we've seen in previous installments. We never see, we see Reese several times again, and we never see him as that. They just boof that character every time they bring him back into the thing. Uh, better is Moon Bloodgood, who is a resistance fighter who gets cut off, who her and, and Sam Worthington's character sort of make their way back. Sam plays this guy who, is he a soldier? Is he not a soldier? He's just like one. He's lost his memory and he doesn't really know who he is. So, so what is he? Hmm. What would be, what would be most interesting for him to be, Joel? A Terminator. Hey, Maybe. Turns out, spoiler, big spoiler alert for uh, Terminator Salvation, but he's, he's only part Terminator. He's got his own brain, and he's got his own heart, but he's kitted out inside. He was, uh, he was uh, a prototype of, of how to build a cybernetic organism that was put in storage right before the war and has now just woken up into the future. Mm. Uh, Christian Bale's does these speeches every night. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. He's given it his all, but the character is dull as doornails. Um, there's a scene where he gets let go by a, a helicopter over the ocean and swims down to a moving submarine under the water. I don't know how you possibly could do that, but, but it happens in the movie. And then when he gets in the submarine, Michael Ironside's in there and they're arguing with each other. And, and it's just, it's stupid. I'm kind of done talking about the plot of that. There's a yeah. big ending. There's a bunch of chase sequences. Every time, every time, Joel, and this is comic, this is a drinking game, like a fair that you can do with Terminator Salvation. Every time something shows up, whether it's in the water or whether it's a motorcycle, an automated motorcycle on the road or wherever it is, um, some suit somewhere in Hollywood said, hey, what if the audience doesn't know what that is? We have to have a, somebody say what it is. And so McGee went back through the script and wrote in every time. Every time something new shows up in the movie, he writes mobile Terminator exclamation point and gives that line to somebody. So that every time we're like, I don't know what, I don't even remember what the ones in the water are called, but they just, some character shouts out, mobile yeah, Terminators. Terminator. Yeah. It's it 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 that sort of we think you're rock stupid audience stuff just nothing wears me down more than that because <laughs> even though they do the future wrong and even though the repeated characters are aren't good, um, this idea of this criminal from a, from our era waking up in a dark future and slowly doing right by the world and by humanity is an interesting one that they just they just don't play any of that and as good as the two ladies are in it they moon a little bit more than Bryce but she's given very little to do in a part mm -hmm. that could have been much much more interesting and that's a shame and 
And the the if you were gonna bring Kyle Reese back from the dead, it would have been so much better if he'd just been a guy who we don't interact with it much because he yeah. has all the the big ending of the movie is them going to rescue him so that they can send him back in time so that he can die to save the future which is ab- absurd and is kind of like three levels removed from the ideas we've been dealing with but at least it makes a certain amount of logical sense in the franchise right um he just doesn't have to be this this cute huggable like um uh he's like a He's like a stuffed animal version of the character. It's really hard to explain. Anton's sure. so cute and wonderful, and I don't want to rip fun, it. He's like a Funko Pop version of <laughs> Kyle Reese. It's bad. Um, it's it's not yeah. a good movie, but at the same time, it's an accomplished one. It's big. I mean, if you wanted to watch a big budget, high tech, big explosion, mm-hmm. blah, 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 version of this kind of storytelling at the time, again, you could do a lot worse. Uh, there's an unrated version. I recommend that one, not really for its unratedness, but it's got 15 minutes or so more of the characters and the characters in both versions are given short shift. So even if it's the more boring version, at least it's boring in the right ways. It's, it is doing a little more of the character building we need. Mm-hmm. And you get to see, uh, people naked, which you don't in the PG 13 version. I was hoping that, uh, that the, it would be extra 15 minutes of like, the Terminators, uh, like the the cast dancing to uh, uh, to Smash Mouth's "Can't Get Enough of You, Baby." Um, even McG the going you know, back even the nudity. Roots. It's one of those scenes. Like it's actually really well executed by the directors. So you just so you know, McG is a student of movies and wanted to make a good Terminator movie. But it's one of those. It, this is still in movies today. I don't understand how they get away with this. But it's one of those, like, uh, Moon Bloodgood's characters taking a shower under this little thing because they're grimy and they've been in this fight they've yeah. got oil and crap all over each other. So they even set up why that would be a thing that you would do. And he's trying to be the gentleman and turn in the other way, but he hasn't seen a woman for, you know, whatever, the 40, 50 years he's been asleep. So he turns around and looks at her. And she catches him doing it. And he feels bad because he didn't mean to be like that. And, of course, this is Hollywood, really. I mean, this is something where we've seen this exact thing happen in tons and tons of stuff. It's in uh, J.J. Abrams' uh, Star Trek. Yeah. uh, Into Darkness, yeah. The Further Wrath of Khan or whatever. You know, it's stupid. It's a stupid way for Hollywood to show some skin of some person and exploit them in a way that because there's a male character feeling guilty for looking at them or seeing them, it somehow makes it okay that it's there. But yeah. I, the, everything has to be figured out. The wardrobe has to be figured out. You've got to figure out how to light under the water. This whole thing has been written, planned out, mapped out in this massive movie for ages. And it is exploitative, no matter how you swing it. It's I hate yep. stuff like that. Although, i got to say, in this, it's really beautifully done. You barely see her naked. It is a character moment, of which we would like having, because we don't have it in the shorter version of the movie. But... Like, one character's boob, first of all, that really probably shouldn't be enough to make it unrated. And second, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's just, it, it's just, it's not a way to make these people connect. 
it's sort of shameful in that way. It annoys me. Yep. I don't know what to say. Although it's like I say, it's 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 much better than the the similar scene in Star Trek, which is just has no point and is totally stupid. This one is beautiful. It's like beautifully shot, and it is this weird, awkward thing. It's played for maximum awkwardness, not jokey movie awkwardness, which I at least I can appreciate that. But mm-hmm. Terminator Salvation, not great. Mm-hmm. Not and, great. And, and not so bad on its own merits, but just really, really not accomplishing anything that's been set up by better installments mm-hmm. in the franchise up to this point. Right. Um, but you know what we haven't seen up to this point is we haven't seen... Arnold Schwarzenegger fighting Arnold Schwarzenegger on a little Terminator on Terminator action. And that's what we get in Terminator Genesis. Terminator Genesis has got enough good ideas in it for three Terminator movies. (laughs) Uh, It really does. And it's got a, it's got the the makings of, of a pretty good cast. So why is it bad? It, I just, it's all in the execution or sort of the wrongheadedness of a producer run franchise. The Halcyon Company, who existed only to release Term- Terminator Salvation and then promptly went away and sold its Terminator rights and never made another movie, sold it to... Um, uh, Dana Goldberg and what's the guy's name? The Skydance Kids. Uh, that is Gimme Momento. No. <sighs> I like these guys. Uh, Dana Goldberg also mm-hmm. runs um, Annapurna Studios, which is a fantastic indie studio that wouldn't uh, exist without her money. Right, and so. David Edelstein? Ellison. Ellison. David Ellison. An okay actor in his time and uh, a, a, a guy who loves movies and loves to entertain people. They're, they're, you know, and because they're both the uh, brother and si- or they're the son and daughter of the guy who uh, cr- created Oracle and have good trillions of dollars between them, mm-hmm. they went into the movie business. F it. That yep. sounds awesome. That's what I would do with a trillion dollars. So yep. I'm... I'm uh, you know, I like those guys, but yeah, Megan, Megan Ellison, David Ellison, Megan Ellison uh, and David Ellison. Uh, yep. Megan. And they're great. They're the best. The, 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 uh, sorry, I got Megan's name wrong, but I'm confusing her with a different person, but mm-hmm. who's a similar kind of producer, but the whole ending of this movie actually place takes place at the Oracle headquarters, which is really weird to see. Well, they had the keys. Yeah, that's I guess that's <laughs> what it comes down to. And the Oracle headquarters is really cool looking joint. Um so that's kind of neat. It's a neat it looks good, you know, from a helicopter in widescreen, basically. I don't know where to start with this. It starts it starts so good. Um they yeah, this recreate, is on you. I don't know. I never saw this movie. They, so. Well, I'm about to spoil it all for you. You're lucky. That's, hey, I, it's gonna that's be totally just like fine. you had seen it after I'm done talking about it. Aren't you excited? Um, it, it starts with that scene that I talked about in Terminator 2 that was cut. It starts with this, with, uh, Jason, shit, I hope you have this in front of you, because, uh, Jason, I do. Uh, the Australian actor, what's his name, Jason, 
Clark. Clark plays John Connor in this. Not bad. Jason Clark's a good actor. Yep. Um, he's sending Jay Courtney back in time. Oh my God. What's worse than Anton Yelchin playing <laughs> Mike Kyle Reese? <laughs> it's Jay Courtney. Jay Courtney. I really don't like Jay Courtney. And the fact that he's he's at his best when he's playing douchebag villains in films like Jack Reacher and and Divergent just shows you mm-hmm. that, that that's where his magic power lies. He's not a I, he's not a bad actor and as in a heroic role, he's as good in this as he's ever been in anything. He's really trying in this and it makes it hard for me to rip on him, but he's apps he's this laid back jokey jock version of Kyle Reese that is just completely unacceptable. It's like they how they painstakingly recreate the opening chapter of Terminator 1984 in this. He goes mm-hmm. back in time, all the same stuff happens, you know, it, it, the only difference is the Terminator that's chasing him is it, it's not a cop chasing Kyle Reese in 1984, it's a Terminator. And he's another like super complicated sort of Terminator that's pointless to describe, but he's 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 a badass. They're in trouble for having to fight this guy. And um as he's about to get killed, because he's not just running away from cops, uh a big truck comes crashing in the front of that uh, drugstore that we've seen, and Amelia Clark as uh as um, Sarah Connor throws Sarah. open the door, reaches out her hand and says, come with me if you want to live. That's different. And in the back of the truck with a bunch of automatic weapons is this old aged version of the T-800 who was at some point sent all the way back to when uh, Sarah was a little girl, kidnapped her and raised her. <laughs> so she's lived this whole other life that we're not privy to. And right. Courtney, does a, uh, he does a really good job of just... What? Like he's, you know, he was destined for something. We know what it is. And now he's in some other movie with some entirely different plot. And while we stay in 1984, it's pretty interesting. They, he's, he sees the Terminator immediately knows what it is, tries to kill it. They have to knock him out. Uh, Schwarzenegger is delightful in this. He, they, she, uh, Sarah Connor calls him pops, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is great. I mean, it's great. And he's, yeah. Now, now you can mate with Kyle Reese at your earliest convenience. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> you stop, stop saying mate. All right. <laughs> she's just, you know, she gets what's going yeah. on, but she's not prepared to deal with it on that level for obvious human reasons. Amelia Clark's fantastic. Sarah Connor, she's in a dumb movie, but they, they I, I just, I'm trying to think of a, a modern actor who they could have gotten that would be better and it's hard for me to think of one she's really really good in this movie it was directed by alan taylor who made the second thor film and a whole bunch of prestige television including game of thrones that's the connection there mm-hmm. um but alan and it's the same in his thor movie alan's a really good film director at least technically it's clear that he is because both his movies look great but he's just He's a pawn of the producers that are in charge of the productions that he was involved in. It ruined that Thor. Uh, what's the second Thor movie called? Thor. Dark World. Thor: The Dark World, and it ruined this. It it's 
And it's not that David Ellison's some tyrant of a producer. He totally isn't. He's a geek like the rest of us who just wants to make an awesome Terminator movie. But there, I, there is not a sure artistic hand behind this. They have been squirreling away tech to build a time machine to send them into the future. And what they needed was the chip out of the brain of this Terminator that was trying to kill Kyle and the Woolworths uh, to finish it. And they plug that in and they send them, not quite to our present, but they send them forward in time to 2000-something. And when this big software thing called Genesis is about to be released, it's going to be on our phones, it's going to be in our brains, on the computers, it's mm -hmm. going to, quote, take over the world. And it's great. It's not spelled like Genesis. There's a Y in there, so you can own the word. That's how corporate this film is. And that's then it all sort of goes off the rails. And I hate to spoil all of its surprises because there are some plot twists. Uh, they didn't hire Jason Clark, for example, for two minutes at the beginning of the movie and then for him to just go away. Um, uh, yeah. J.K. Simmons plays an Earl Bowen-like character, a conspiracy theorist <laughs> who's lived through some hard times. There's a couple of cool cops played by a couple of cool actors that I like. You know, There's a really cool chase sequence in a school bus on the Golden Gate Bridge. That's fun. I mean, I don't have a problem with that. Um, the finale at the Oracle headquarters is underwhelming compared to the rest of it. And it, it, you don't barrel into that sequence. You, the movie stops and then you start it up there. And I think that makes a difference because the, the other big endings we've had are at the end of a succession of chases and thrills and spills. And this one isn't, there's a lot of thinking and talking. There's a lot of techno babble with regards to Genesis, Matt Smith, is in this movie who he plays is hard to even explain without just ruining it, all of it. But you know, Matt Smith, he's cool. So yeah, uh, Genesis, but the, Kyle Reese, the character is terrible in this. It's terrible in it. It's mm -hmm. so not the guy that we met earlier. Why isn't that guy? Why isn't at least some attempt to be true to that character here? Who's in charge of these two movies where they didn't even try? Where they literally, deliberately did something completely different in both of them. And they're completely different from each other. So there's absolutely no continuity. At least Salvation, it sneakily hung on to continuity from the others. It wanted to do something different. Wanted to be its own thing. But it also wanted to be the fourth Terminator movie. And this yep. thing is... this. It has a very, very clever idea to reboot the Enterprise. But then it, after that, even that isn't executed as well as you would like. And then after that, it, it sort of goes off the rails. And that's too bad. People really didn't like it. Some people outright hated it. But this is the first movie. Salvation wasn't part of this. Even though it's not that old, it just wasn't part yeah. of this culture. Genesis was the first film to come out in Twitter culture where... If there's anything about you that we can make fun of, we will just pound you relentlessly to death electronically until there's nothing yep. left of you. And that's the fate that this film suffered. One could even call it a dark fate. Um, I was <laughs> sure there was going to be a junk, 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 junk there. Uh, well, I was going to say, you know, what you got to do, you know, what, what, what had been missing from all of this 
you know, they're like, okay, well, we had, we wanted Arnold to fight Arnold. Oh, that didn't, maybe that didn't quite get everybody excited. But you know what's been, you know, you know what I bet people will like is if we bring Linda Hamilton back. And so now we will get Terminator Dark Fate. The person, yeah, Lyndall Hamilton aside, the person they brought back was James Cameron. Yeah. That was a coup. Uh, David Ellison's like, ah, we tried. We failed. Uh, the game is over for us. <laughs> it's over Wait for here you. and someone will come get someone us. Someone will come collect. <laughs> uh, but instead, <laughs> good for him. Instead, he's yeah. like, all right, you know, it, it didn't work. It didn't. I mean, it made a little bit of money, but it didn't make a lot of money, and it didn't connect with audiences. And we paid a ton of money for the Terminator franchise instead of just being the next fourth studio in a row to say, "Here, who wants this?" You know, and sell the Terminator franchise at a garage sale. They said, "Well, look, we really want to do this, but maybe we could partner." They they went hat in hand to Cameron and said. What do you think? Do you have any ideas for how you want to do this? I mean, would you like that to be? I think they kind of wanted him to come back and do the movie, but he didn't do that. But the director they got is pretty talented. Um, the guy who had just made De Dead Dead yeah Deadpool, Tim Miller, yeah yeah. So Tim Miller was fired from Deadpool too, which is crap uh, for artistic differences. Which because because Tim Miller is artistic, and no one else who worked on that thing is. Um, I don't, I don't understand how they fired that guy was, I mean, I'm not a big Deadpool fan, but was the first Deadpool movie, not pretty much the perfect Deadpool movie. It, it, by Could it have counts, been any yeah. better? Uh, yeah. The second mean, one passes the time. It's not crap. I might be being a little too hard on it there, but there's a, there's a precipitous artistic drop off between the two. Right. And it's clearly the filmmaker that they got rid of that ruined it because now suddenly there's, there's money at stake, right? Joel, there's popcorn at stake. So, so now everybody wants to have their say and Miller wasn't having it. They pretty much left him alone on the first film and they weren't doing that anymore. Well, Tim, James Cameron's not going to leave you alone either. I mean, this is a very much a collaboration between the two of them. And, and it, it, I would have liked to seen a Tim Miller Terminator movie rather than a, a, a James Cameron, Tim Miller Terminator movie. Cause I yeah. would have just liked to known what that was as it is this film. It's the third best Terminator film. <laughs> I don't know if that's saying a lot or what yeah. I, I said that back in one of our year end episodes. Cause this is, I don't know if this is the only one that's existed since we've been doing movie show with Joel and Ryan, but this just came out a couple of years ago. So yeah. it's just, it is the same thing again. It's the same thing again. A sampling Terminator comes back in time. It wants to get it, it. It's funny how many for as pissed as James was at people screwing up his franchise. It's funny how many ideas this movie steals from previous ones. Um, <laughs> Time travelers show up in the middle of a highway. That's from Genesis. Uh, the Terminator is liquid covered, but with an exoskeleton inside that's highly technological, like from Terminator 3. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Judgment Day is inevitable. <laughs> it just can only be delayed, but we have to live with the fact that it's coming and we have to prepare for it. That's from a whole bunch of these, basically. Uh it's weird. It's weird that he just adopted all of those, uh, what we'll call them Terminator 8 or franchise cheats for this film, but he did. 
And they're used to much better effect in this movie. This movie's chase seasons are relentless. This film is rated R. It's extremely violent. Um, and yet it doesn't feel exploitative like a couple of other of these feel to me. So it's that's that's winning. It does take place uh, primarily in Mexico with Mexican characters that are the main characters. And uh, white boys didn't like that. They didn't like that, Joel. We don't. We try not to engage with movies on that level, even to chastise people for hating things for stupid reasons. You know, well, how many times have I said Mary Sue on this show? How, and that's maybe the last time I'll ever say it. It's just these are like terms in our pop culture vernacular that I can't stand, and I mm-hmm. just hate people not letting these stories be what they're going to be. They just they just want to rip, 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 rip. Nothing is ever good enough, and this film fell prey to that. It it did okay again, but it only did about Genesis business. Right. Didn't do much better. So. It has an old Terminator who's aged naturally and found a life for itself. It's got a really Carl. killer, really killer sequence on the beach at the beginning with a de-aged Linda Hamilton and uh, and a digitally recreated Edward Furlong, where he actually gets assassinated. It's pretty harsh because he. It's like you really do travel back in time visually. It looks like him from 1991. Wow. Looks just like him. And to see him hanging out, flirting with a girl, and then get killed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. With no chase, with no big movie, with no nothing, just unceremoniously walks up, boom, and turns around and walks away. <laughs> well, that's wow. all it took, man. It was yeah. as easy as that to kill the future of humanity. Um, why are they chasing this girl? Uh, Linda Hamilton, who shows up halfway through the movie, believes it's because she's going to give birth to the future of humanity, just like her. She calls her the the madonna of the future or something like that she's got this great term she has this great moment in it where uh geez joel it also has a sam worthington character who's like terminator inside but still a person with a brain and a heart <laughs> yeah but played McKenzie. by mckenzie davis i love mckenzie davis you know i, I love mckenzie davis. i can watch her and even the dumbest stuff ever since halt and F- catch fire basically i she can do no wrong and she's fantastic mm-hmm. in this because she's She's a complete badass, but she has all these things that go wrong with her, and she just plays that really, really great. And so I like her. I like our hero girl, kind of, although people didn't really like her. She gets a little too bossy for the boys out there. I can understand that. Um, They meet up with the very Terminator who killed John Connor down in Mexico back in Texas. And they recruit him to help them stop this Terminator from killing this girl so that she can save the future. Sort of a spoiler alert, she finds out that she's not giving birth to the hero of the future, that it's actually her, this girl. Yay! Yay! I don't I don't want to join any bandwagons, but that does feel a little contrived and a little condescending, actually. But you know, I'll take it. It is... It's... It's... Perhaps it's the fact that that's treated like a plot twist that I, is what I don't like about it rather than the, the substance of the thing itself. I don't know. Lots of great chase scenes. Fantastic scene at the top of this dam. Fantastic escape from a, uh, a refugee holding facility on the Texas border that they end up in. Um, really good 
uh, interaction between the characters. The jokes, for the most part, work. Tim Miller said that uh, Cameron had a, you know, when they, they would argue over things and truly collaborate, Cameron uh, wanted to have these action bits and, and lines of stuff that he felt was crucial to the story and that Tim didn't like as much. Tim had a lot of poetic moments that he thought would be deeply meaningful that Cameron wasn't very interested in. So between the two of them, they streamlined this thing into a, just a little over two hours and it's strong. It's just strong filmmaking. The effects are stronger. Um, but it's it's the sixth one, man. Mm-hmm. They're so tired of all this. And it yeah. just doesn't do enough to take it to the next level. So it's very much franchise and limbo now. Because I, in a way, it's like I can't imagine a Terminator sequel being made better than this. Right. And, and yet... It's the repeated story bits over and over and over again. It, and it's not like I'm sitting on a great Terminator, unproduced Terminator script that does everything differently and new. I'm yeah. not. But yeah. it, it really comes back to the fact that the first movie is a closed loop of a perfect piece of storytelling. And and the second one is the... You, you somehow captured lightning in a bottle twice and you just were never going to be able to do it again. And of course they never have. Um, right. All of these are worth your time. If you want thrills and Terminator spills, none of these are like bad, bad, awful, you failed films. Uh, mm-hmm. The only one that even has a reputation like that is, is uh, Genesis. But even that has tons of great stuff in it. So it's not a bad movie, you know? Yeah. Um, they're just not it's, good movies, and and I don't know. It's it's a bummer because we need non superhero, you know, blockbuster, large scale entertainment desperately. And here's a franchise yeah. that a studio can justify investing in, and yet they just aren't coming off. And I think it's time for them to be to be over, to be yep. terminated. Hasta la vista Terminator franchise. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know Joel's on a schedule, so normally yeah, I'd be no. a little more thoughtful in my summation, but it's like... Well, no, I mean, it, it is, because what I'm thinking of, what, what I'm sitting here thinking is, that, uh, um, would these movies, if they weren't part, if they weren't... Uh, uh, you know, these movies were made because you could have the Terminator name on them and, and, and the, sort of the term, some of the Terminator touchstones. But if these were just, if you were to write it and not connect it to the Terminator at all, and it's just a story about uh, resistance fighters and trying to uh, go back in time to start or whatever, you know, somehow hey, to be fair, Joel, salvation was written with john carter john connor as an extremely minor character it was them asking christian bale to play the sam worthington part and him saying him reading the script and saying this doesn't have the connors in it this doesn't have any of the things that this franchise is about in it where they Mm -hmm. where they tripled the size of that role and told parallel stories but that one it does have Kyle Reese in it, I guess, which it shouldn't have. But 
that they tried that and it that didn't yeah. work great. But actually. that's what I mean. In order to get a movie like this made, it has to have that it ha you, you know you be, need to be able to slap the Terminator name on but it. But that doesn't have um, that doesn't have Schwarzenegger in it, and people rebelled yeah, yeah. against that. And, and exactly so, and you've got two movies with old Ash Schwarzenegger in it, where he's played pretty great by the actor, and mm -hmm. you're given very plausible reasons why he is the way he is. His right. in 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 Dark Fate, his he's 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 quote rescued an abused woman from a bad marriage and an abused child, and he's been adopted by them. And Linda Hamilton's got this great speech. She's like, I don't understand how this is possible because this guy killed. This is the one. This is the guy who killed her kid, and then he had yeah. to go figure out what to do with himself because his mission was accomplished, and. She's like, I, doesn't she know that you weigh 400 pounds and that you this and that? How could she not know what you are? She doesn't get it. And he mm -hmm. kind of explains it. He's like, well, we don't have that kind of relationship. She likes, uh, she likes that I am reliable and uh, that what she says, he's got three things he says, which ends with, oh, I am a tremendous listener and I have a very good sense of humor. <laughs> And it's he plays it like this. I'm reciting the things she's told me. Like he doesn't necessarily yeah, yeah. believe these things. He's just she found the right kind of guy that she wanted, and he needed to disappear somewhere for forever. So there, he he writes her. He doesn't write her a note. He's just warned her that a day's going to come where I'm going to go away and never come back. And he basically tells mm -hmm. her today's that day. Yeah. That stuff plays pretty great but you know even all that the great stuff is followed by this scene where we've seen a hundred times where he, they pull the tarp away and they open up the big shed and it's got all the fucking guns in it and stuff and we're mm -hmm. all like woo and we as fans are getting all excited like i just i'm tired be more creative than the stockpile of guns you know the first yeah. movie the guns were worthless why have we gotten into gun worship for all the rest of the films? I'm not. I don't. I'm not sure. This is the fifth bunker of guns that we've seen. You know, Terminator. But Joel, to answer your question, sorry, long answer, short. Terminator Salvation meant to be the movie you're talking about, and it got yeah. it got pulled more in the old direction, but not completely. And people just hated it. What they want yeah. is the Terminator. They want what they want. They don't care about the Terminator at all. Yeah. These fans. Yeah. What they want is Terminator 2 again and again and again and again and again. And the film that does that best is, I think, one of the worst ones, which is Terminator 3. That really is just Terminator 2 again, but just this much different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they they won't tolerate Schwarzenegger not being in it. They think he should be de-aged for a whole movie. They just are off their rockers into what, yeah. modern storytelling should be and 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 it yeah it's time it's time for the terminator to... and the general public doesn't seem to care so yeah. I, I don't know how you can win i'm i'm sorry yeah. that ellison's paid so much money for it but people, all that money people it's sinking it. into a it's sinking into a pit of molten metal oh well they're not they're not hurting they got three mm -hmm. mission impossible movies coming out yep um they, they have reason to celebrate, but yeah, the, the them 
committing to the Terminator franchise was not part of it. Didn't help. Yeah. Didn't help Paramount. Didn't help Skydance. Didn't help the Terminator. James Cameron getting back involved didn't save the thing. Didn't apparently right. give it enough legitimacy for even hardcore fans. Mm-hmm. Um, even those that liked it weren't enough to pull it through. Uh, Linda Hamilton hasn't grown as a character at all. She's the exact person that we left in Terminator 2. Right. There's right. no nuance to her. She's even angrier and more bitter. That's not fun to spend a whole movie yeah. with. I, I'm not nothing against Linda. She she again, she doesn't pull her punches in the film. She looks great, she kicks ass, which yep. is pretty neat for someone her age to do in a film that way. And a, that's something we don't see a lot, and I'm down with it. But the yeah. character growth isn't there. So so where do we go from here? I can't imagine. Yeah. Oh, it's a good question. Um, and uh, if you have any thoughts on what you think should be done with the Terminator franchise, and I'm going to play it one more time, just because I like my graphic that I use. I do in, too. In our in our in our visual and on the uh, YouTube version of this. So, mm-hmm. if you have any thoughts on the Terminator franchise, go ahead, reach out to us at Ask Joel and Ryan on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, the movie show with Joel and Ryan page on Facebook. Uh, ask Joel and Ryan at gmail.com. And of course, if you are watching this on YouTube, like, and subscribe, give us a comment here, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell everybody. Uh, you can hear us wherever you get your fine downloadable podcast content. Um, all right. Uh, we can't thank you enough next week, next week, next week, it is going to be another big epic double feature uh movie what do we call these things uh the double yeah the double what are we calling these things i can't even remember what we call it double features episode i don't know yeah uh, uh we called it something can i lame off the movies real quick in case the people want to watch yes. along with us yes please do um i'll try and do this i need to do better about putting this on the facebook page too so you guys can actually see them in case you want to watch these with us i've mentioned them before but here they are again if you want to be ready for next week's show or at least a little ready and try out a couple of these you can um for eight movies from the four of us me joel michael and rob rob's movies are green for danger starring alistair sim from i believe 1944 um and an inspector calls also featuring alistair sim i think almost 10 years later 54 i want to say um but Two movies that feature the great English actor Alistair Sim as a police mm-hmm. inspector. Fun stuff. And uh, I guess that means my movies are next, which are both from the 70s. They're both 70s Sherlock Holmes stories, postmodern Sherlock Holmes stories from our Best of Sherlock Holmes series way, 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 way back in, like, episode five of the thing, like, of all time. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, those are 1975's, I want to say, The 7% Solution, directed by Herbert Ross, and 1979's, um, Murder by Decree, directed by, uh, by, um, Bob Clark. So, I think those are the best, other than the real departures from Mm -hmm. the material, I think those are the best postmodern Sherlock Holmes films. Um, then we got Joel's movies, which are, uh, both, um, modern takes on classical literature. 
Uh, first is the version of Cyrano de Bergerac that Fred Skepsi and Steve Martin put together in the late 80s, Roxanne. Um, it's kind of weird that a guy named Spielberg's a guy named Joe was about forest firefighters and uh, Steve Martin's Roxanne was about regular mountain firefighters. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll talk more and about the that other connection name, next yep. week. The other one of his we've talked about before on our Jane Austen episode, but now we get to really talk about it. Um, Clueless, which is based on Emma by, of course, by Jane Austen. And I think directed by Amy Heckerling. Am I saying mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. But you all know Clueless. We don't need to get into that too much. And then a couple of, uh, we'll call them semi, well, they're kind of found footage. They're faux documentary horror films. Um, I'm going to forget the name of the first one. Savage uh, Land. Savage yeah, Land. Um, that's cool. I can't remember what year that's from. The early aughts, 2007-ish, something like that. Sure. Yeah, Savage Land, I can't remember, but you check it. There's a bunch of movies, unfortunately, called Savage Land. This is the one about the uh, whole town on the Mexican border that was murdered one evening and the aftermath of the neighboring town and the people that they found. It's it's a decent film. And uh, the Savage other one... Land, uh, Savage Land is 2015. 2015. And, the, and, and then Lake we have Mungo is 2008. 2008. Or, 2008 mm-hmm. okay so lake mungo is the one from the early aughts lake mungo is an australian movie about a girl who may or may not have committed suicide and what she may or may not have left behind uh yep. lake mungo is fantastic i highly recommend it uh, uh but those right. are the so eight was, movies for next week yeah that'll be a good time and those are our Double. Double features for next week. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us this week on the Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Um, until next time, uh, enjoy your weeks and watch eight movies. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out. Hasta mañana, mamá. <laughs>